0: Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, I wanna to say welcome. We're in week two of this series called Hello Freedom. And our art foundational text is Galatians 5.1. We're gonna put it up on the screen. But before I read it, here's what I want you to know. I don't, I believe with all my heart that, This word God has given to us for this season that we are in is is going to be filtered through every message that I give, every series that we do, not just right now, but I I don't know until whenever, because I believe it's something that we desperately need in our lives, and the Bible tells us that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Free. This is Paul writing a letter to the churches in in Galatia. He says, the Christ has set you you free. Now, let's talk about that. Because generally, there's a, a, a greater end to the means. Generally, there's an ulterior motive at play, but not here. Paul says, you know why he wants you to be free? In fact, do you know why I sent my one and only son to this earth who is perfect and sinless, who left the place of eternal perfection to come here to this chaotic, World with all its evil and dysfunction. Do you know why God's saying, I did that? One reason, one motive, and that is so that you could be free. See, religion overcomplicates things, does it not? Like, how many of you know that? Religion gives people a like, God complex, it makes complex the things of God, and God is just saying, Hey, I just want you to be free. And so Paul writes, it's just for freedom that Christ wants you free, that that's the ultimate goal of life, that that's the purpose that he came for, that you and I would would walk through life with a soul that is light, that we would walk in a burden of joy and of peace and of happiness, that we would be, be free. And that only comes through the work of Jesus. He says, for freedom, that Christ came down to set you free. But he goes on to say what? He says, stand firm then. You know what that means? We have a part to play that we are to participate in this promise that God has, has given us that we're to stand firm. We know Christ did the heavy lifting on the cross when he gave his life for our sins. We we know that, that his work is finished. Now our work is begun. Our work is to stand firm then on the promises that God has given us. Not uh, until not only do we believe them, but until we believe them enough to live them out. How many of you know there's a difference? between believing God's word, but actually believing it enough to where it makes a difference in your life, to where your your life is different because of Aces, that's where freedom is found. So stand firm then, why? So that you would not submit again or be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Here's what I believe every single one of us in this room, or every one of us watching online, if we're being honest, and we might as well be because God is here, he knows. We are all experiencing different levels or varying degrees of, of bondage, every single one of us in our life. Every single one of us has things in our life that if it wasn't there, our life would be so much better. Would you agree with that? Let's play along in church today. Like seriously, let's, not, let's, let's do this. Let's lay down, you know, the, the, the pretense and the whatever and the, you know, the feeling that we got to walk in through the doors and have it all figured out. Let's put that aside today. Let's just get after it. We all have things in our life that if it wasn't in our life, our life would be so much better off. Like nobody in here can tell me that you're perfect, that you got this whole thing figured out, that you've, you know, you you've have heart in your heart and in your soul, you know, perfect harmony and wholeness. If you tell me that, I'd call you out on it because it's just not true. And Christ wants us to be free from the burden of bondage. So here's what we're going to do today. Uh, we're not going to be able to tackle the whole issue of freedom in one message. Uh, we're not even going to be able to tackle the whole issue of freedom in a series of messages. This is really a lifetime uh, of learning what it means to be free on this side of eternity. But we are going to look at one particular aspect of freedom that is foundational to you and I being able to walk in the freedom that God has established for us. And we're going to do it by looking at something called gardenology. Gardenology, this is the way that I learned it in seminary before I dropped out. Just so you know, I'm a seminary dropout, just telling you. But here's what gardenology is. It's it's about gardenology, meaning the Garden of Eden. And here's what I propose, that if we don't get the first three chapters of God's word right, then the chances are we're going to get the rest of it wrong. You follow me? If we don't get the first three chapters of it right, then, then we're going to get the rest of it wrong. Because in the first three chapters of God's word, it outlines the character of God. It tells us God's heart for us when we fail, when we, when we you know, make mistakes, how quickly things can go wrong in our lives. How many of you know stupid happens fast, right? How quickly we get ourselves into trouble. But then it also tells us his restorative and redemptive plan for us so that we could walk in, in freedom. And so I propose that if we don't understand God's original intent for our lives, then we will never live as God intended. If we don't understand, right, we know that we know that we know his original design for us is to be completely free, then it's impossible for us to find our way back to that freedom, do you follow me? Like we need to know that, we need to know in our heart. And so I'm gonna spend a couple weeks in Genesis chapter one, two, and three, and this might be a little bit more teachy, uh, today we're going to spend time in Genesis two, particularly one verse, uh, or actually one word in Genesis chapter two. Um, and so if you're new to the scriptures, let me give you a quick cliff notes version of what's happening in Genesis one and two. I've told you before, cliff was my best friend in college. I used him all the time, but in chapter one, God is doing what God does best. He's speaking things into existence. How many of you know when God speaks, things happen? It's true, when he speaks, like the promises of God are yes and amen, things will, will happen in your life, and he's speaking things into existence, like the earth and the heavens and everything, and he's speaking all the animals and, you know, and, and plants into existence, and, and you can tell when God had a really good day and he woke up and he's drinking his coffee, you know, he spoke things into existence like Erie, Pennsylvania, come on, right? He's like, man, I love Erie. It's beautiful. But you could tell when he didn't have his coffee, he's a little cranky. He's like, all right, here's Meadville. Here's Warren. <laughs> Listen, I'm always making fun of Titusville. I had to choose something else. All right, just saying. But God's speaking things into existence, and he's saying it's all good. He says it's good. Good. That's good, that's good. And he doesn't mean good like when we say something's good, like we say that pizza was good or that movie that we saw is good. When he says good in the Hebrew, it means it's perfect. He says that thing is perfect. What I spoke into existence is flawless, is perfect. And then he got to Adam and Eve and he took it to a whole new level. And so he doesn't just say it's good. What he says is it's really good says it's really good. Like these are, this is my, my climax of my creation. These, these are going to be the image bearers of me. They're created in my image. These are, these people are going to reflect the glory of God back to him. And so then God gives us some ideas on, on what man and women, woman are created for. And he, you know, helps Uh, you know, tell us kind of what's, what's going to happen from here on out. He talks about this crazy thing that a lot of us are involved in called marriage, right? And how that's going to work. He says, people are going to leave their husbands and their fathers. In fact, uh, let's just read it together in verse 24 of Genesis two. He says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and will be united to his wife. And then the fun part happens. They will become one flesh. Come on, somebody. We'll be talking more about that in March. Sex. You follow me? Sex, that's what he's talking about. They'll become one flesh. And then I want to stop for a minute before we read this next part, because this, this is what we're going to lean into for the rest of our time. Now, I believe what I'm about to read is the most incredible, most important statement in all of Genesis, because it speaks to what real freedom was originally intended to be. What real freedom looks like. And here's what it says. It says this, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no, what's that word? Shame. They were naked and they felt no shame. There was no shame in their nudity game. You want to talk about freedom, naked and no shame? Shame. Being exposed like that and having, having no shame this summer, Kristen and I, we took our boys to, to Cincinnati on a little trip. And we stayed at, overnight at a place called the Great Wolf Lodge. Anybody ever been to a Great Wolf Lodge? All right. Well, you should go. You should try it sometimes. Um, it's, it's a hotel that has a water slides indoors inside of it. All right. It's fun for the kids. It's amazing for me. All right. So let me just, I love it. We went there, but there was only one problem in that phase in my uh, metabolic journey, we should say, is that you have to go in your swimsuit. And everything inside of me wanted to wear the dad's shirt. You know what I'm talking about, the dad shirt? Come on guys, are we, what time is it? It's almost lunchtime, is that what's going on here? All right, I wanted to wear the dad's shirt and I should have, but I didn't. You know, because in a water park, you know, you're just kind of standing, you know, in a line with all these people, you know, that don't have on much clothes either. And you're just kind of going up steps and you're like face to face, you know, with someone. And then and then you, you get in up to the top of the, the platform and you get in this water, that's like a foot and a half deep, it's shallow. And so you got to climb down in there, you got a tube and you kind of move your butt over into it. And then me, you know, I just, as I'm doing this, I just feel this weight of shame just washing over like everybody's watching me and I have my four-year-old gray and so I I had to grab him and we had the double tube thing and I put him in the front and so I'm twisting and turning and there's just fat rolls happening and all kinds of creases and all this stuff and nobody's looking, right? Nobody cares, everybody's there doing doing the same thing but in my mind, everybody in line's going, that dude needs to eat a little less sugar, you know, something's wrong with that guy and I just felt this shame and you know what the powerful thing about shame is? how distracting it can be to your purpose. How distracting it was, you know, to me in the purpose of why I was there, which was just to enjoy time with my family, is to hang out with my boys. And that's a stupid, that's a silly little um, kind of example about shame. But what about when you talk about real life kind of shame? Like maybe shame that you experienced because you were abused as a child and was completely out of your control. But do you understand how much of a wall that puts up between you and experiencing the joy of the Lord in your life? Was anything that you did or, or, or what about, uh, when you start to talk about not just your first, but maybe second divorce or third divorce and what that's like to walk in, even the walls of this church. Like, I understand the type of potential shame you feel carrying relational baggage with you. Or what about the addictions that you have? Or what about financial irresponsibility or indiscretion where maybe now it's, it's gotten so bad that it's causing you to downgrade some things in your life and there are some things that your, your family was unable to do that they used to be able to do because of shame? You feel like a failure? You feel guilty for that? That's what we're talking about. This kind of shame. Well, Adam and Eve, before sin entered the world, before they took a bite of that stupid apple, the Bible says they were naked and felt no shame. Now, they were naked. And I don't want you to just think about naked physically. That's part of it. But I want you to think about naked as far as emotionally and spiritually and psychologically, like everything. There was nothing between them. And there was nothing to hide. Naked and no shame can you imagine that can you imagine that kind of freedom can you imagine walking through your day never having to calculate your words because you weren't sure how someone else was going to respond to you just completely out in the open can you imagine that can you imagine like like posting on facebook not worried about how someone might interpret what you post right this kind of kind of freedom can you imagine walking into work physically naked with all this, right, and there's no body image issues, there's no body body shaming, you know, none of that. You're simply completely known, not sitting under an ounce of judgment or condemnation. Like, even as I'm talking about what they're experiencing in the garden, I'm thinking, this sounds impossible, does it not? To have that kind of, of freedom, and this right here is exactly God's original restorative intent. For us to be in this place where there's, we feel naked, but there's no shame. Now, I'm not talking about physical nakedness. Don't show up here next week without clothes on. We have security we have protocols in place for that. We don't have a dress code, but we say, cover something up. All right. Just do that, but this is where they were. It says they were naked and they felt no shame. And we know what happens next in chapter three, because when they were in this, this freedom, this state of it, there's an enemy to the story. The enemy enters, and Jesus even tells us, not in the Old Testament, but the New Testament, he says he has one job. And he wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. In fact, every day, Elevate Church, that you wake up and you lift your pillow off your head, the enemy is looking to crush your soul. Like, that's what he wants wants to do. And you know how he he does this? We're going to see it here in a minute, but he uses this thing we call lies. Lies. To get you to a place of pride, which will ultimately land you in a place of shame. That's his MO. Lies and pride are nothing more than a means to an end for the enemy to get you and get the human soul into a place of shame. And shame is a a soul-eating, soul-deteriorating emotion. Max Lucado says this. He says, if pride goes before a fall, then shame is what keeps you from getting back up. Isn't that crazy? Shame is what keeps you from wanting to make any kind of changes in your, your life. I'm telling you, the enemy uses lies to cultivate pride in your life to get you to that place where you'd say, you know what, I can do this better, uh, this, this thing called life better than, than God can. And once you get to that place, it's only a matter of time before you say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, before you and I take a bite of that proverbial apple. It's just a matter of time. And when we do, there's this internal mechanism inside of us that naturally tells us, oh, you screwed up. Now feel shame. You messed up bad. Now feel shame. And if pride goes before a fall, and it does... If pride is what got Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden, and it did, then shame is what keeps us out. Shame is what keeps us in that place of never experiencing the full freedom that God has for us. And if you have any undealt with shame in your life, and you let that continue to grow inside of your heart, you will never live fully free. So here's what I want us to do today. I want us to read a little bit of Genesis chapter 3. And I want us to see the enemy's M.O., the, the the tools that the enemy uses to get us to a place of shame. Are you with me? Is everybody there? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Here we go. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden. Now let's start right there. If, if you know the scriptures a little bit, you know this is a lie. If you've read the Bible, God didn't say that. God never said that. He said there's one tree in the middle of the garden, don't eat that one, don't touch that one, but everything else that I've created, like that's that's all yours. Have edit. So so that's a lie and the woman is about to call the enemy on this this lie. But the devil's MO is lies to get you to a place of pride so that he can keep you in that place of shame. Because if pride comes before a fall, well, it's those falls, right, that produce shame in our life. So the woman calls him out, and now he's going to take a different approach because, as I said, he's crafty. And so he takes a, a, another, another route. She says to the serpent, Hey, no, we, we can eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat from the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You do know there's, there's two different types of deaths. There's a physical death, but there's also a spiritual death. And God came, you know, so that we could have this life of freedom, but that we could be fully alive, spiritually alive as well. But watch what the enemy does, because this is, this is critical to us being people of freedom, because what he says next is that he tries to make... The, the holiness of God melodramatic. You know what I mean? If you want to stay in a place of shame for the rest of your life, then make light the holiness of God. If you want to stay in a place of shame and captivity in your life, then, then make, 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 make the, the holiness of God. Downplay that in your life because you do know that God's call on your life is a, an otherworldly call is different than, than the life that the, this kingdom is operating in. And so when we read things in God's word about the way we should live and care for each other and how we should follow his commands, sometimes we read it and go, man, really God? That seems hard. That seems tough. That seems like that's, you know, that's, that's a little over, over the top. You know what that is? That's the voice of the enemy trying to get you to downplay the holiness of God. Because God is holy. We 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 can't forget that as, as a church, and and he tries to get us to downplay. So this is what he says: he says, come on in verse 4. You're not gonna die, the serpent said to the woman. And then he said this, because he couldn't get her with the lie. In fact, if you think the enemy is good at getting you with lies, do you know what he's better at getting you with? Half-truths. Because lies are sometimes easy to spot, are they not? You can hear a lie and be like, nope, that's not right. That's not accurate. But when half of the sentence is true, you know, and half of it is false, it's amazing what he can do with that because listen to this half truth. He says this, for God knows that when you eat from this tree, your eyes will be open. Now here comes the lie that you will be like God. Now that's, no, we won't. We can never be like God. Like God is altogether holy. God is altogether separate. His ways are not our ways. I mean, there's there's no way. We are not God. That's never going to change. But then he says this, and here's the truth. Here it is. You will know good from evil. You will know good from evil. But what he doesn't tell you is that will destroy you. Because you're not God. Because we're not God on our best day our character, our humanity, we were never meant to steward good and evil. Did you know that? That's why God said, don't touch that tree. Because on our best day, we could never carry the weight. We don't have the the ability to steward this thing called good and evil. Can we just not be honest? Can we look around the world and see that we are terrible as a humanity, as stewarding this thing called good and evil? Can we just agree with that? I mean it doesn't take you know an expert to see that we were never intended to know the difference between good and evil that was never meant to be a part of our experience that was god god can handle that god is the the creator of the heavens and the earth god is able to deal you know with the war and the the spiritual realm and and all that that's happening with the the enemy because god was designed for it and we weren't so he said don't touch that tree Because if you do, you're gonna have to carry something you were never meant to carry, that you couldn't carry. And so the enemy tells them this half-truth and they start to buy it. And it starts to get into their head. And this is what it says in verse six. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. We're gonna talk about that in a couple weeks. And also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it and the eyes of them Both of them, listen to this, were opened, and now they realize what? They were naked. Now they realize something was different. In fact, we could use that word naked interchangeably with the word shame, because they were naked before all this happened, but now all of a sudden they're naked. The difference is they are aware of their nakedness. And guess what they are? Uncomfortable with it. And so what do they try to do? They try to hide, and what are they feeling? They're feeling shame. And they do what we've been doing for thousands of years. The Bible says they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for what they were aware of, for what they felt guilt for and shame for, covering for themselves. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And here's the ultimate expression of shame. They hid from the Lord among the trees in the garden. This is what's so powerful about sin, This is what's so powerful about shame because it causes us to become so uncomfortable in the presence of a holy God that it causes us to do crazy things, like hide from Him. It's ridiculous that they even thought they could, but it makes our, our basic instinct now is to hide pieces of ourselves to take the the ugly side, to take the mistakes that we've made, all the ways that we've failed, and we all have them and put them in little compartments or or give them pet names, right? Or wrap them with justifiable language so that we don't have to drown ourselves in the reality that, yeah, I screwed up. I ate that and I shouldn't. Yeah, I I participated in that. Yeah, I feel guilty for that. Yeah, I I messed up. And the minute the soul feels shame, our immediate response of the human heart is what? is to hide it, is to hide it from each other. And when we hide it from each other, we set up barriers in our life, in our relationships. And so now look at them, they're hiding from God. But verse nine says this, but the Lord God called to the man, and I love this. He said, where are you, Adam? Where are you at, Adam? Listen, can I tell you, God has never asked a question that he's needed an answer to. Now he knows, God's like a good counselor. Because counselors, and if you got, we just have counselors in the room or watching online, I know you, 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 I know your tricks that you play. You already know what the answer is gonna to be to the questions, but you just, there's something powerful in us vocalizing it ourselves. And so that's what God is doing. He wants to have them, you know, say it themselves so you can see that there's, there's healing in us giving ourselves the answer out loud. There's progress in that. And so God says, hey, where are you? And here's the answer. I heard you in the garden. And I, and what was I? I was afraid because I was what full of shame. And so what did I do? I hid, I was afraid and so I was full of shame. And so I hid if faith is the kingdom, if faith is the fuel of the kingdom of God and it is, then do you know what the fuel is of the kingdom of hell? It's fear, it's fear is what caused Adam to to walk in fear was his shame. He said, I was afraid. And because of that, I was was full of of shame. In other words, God, there are parts of my life now that I, I don't think you'll accept anymore that I've been exposed to good and evil. And now I don't think you'll accept me. There are parts of my life that I feel ashamed for. And there are parts of my life that are, are broken, that are messed up because of my bad decision that I made. And I don't think you'll accept me. And so he's hiding because he's like, God, and I can't handle that because God, you're the best part of my life. God walking in the garden in the cool of the day with you is as free as it gets. And now, because I've been exposed to this, I don't feel like you can accept me for who I am or what I've done because I can't even accept myself and that might be the way some of you feel. So God, how can you accept me? I, I see something about me, my nakedness that I don't like and I see it for the first time and so shame makes you fearful and fearful makes you do all kinds of stupid stuff. They're hiding from the creator of the universe and for the first time in human history, they do what we do. That is they want to keep secrets from him. You wanna hide from him. You have secrets. All of us, come on. Again, we're not here to play. We're not here to go through the motion. We all have things in our life that that are, to some degree, secrets that we are keeping. That's why some of you were terrified to write down anything on that sticker that says, goodbye, whatever. It scares you to death to even open up that, that door. And can I tell you, secrets are a sickness that will keep you from finding The freedom that God has for your life. And the deep root of why you keep them is shame. It's shame. You're afraid that the minute those secrets get exposed, that someone will think different of you or someone will think less of you. Or the minute that part of you gets exposed that you can't stand about you. Gets out into the open. You're afraid to let anyone in on that because they'll look at you different or they won't value you or accept you. And then we'll, you'll sit under this thing that we all say that we hate, but we do it like prose and that is judgment and condemnation. And that's what's happening here, is it not? They're hiding from the creator of the universe because of secrets. In fact, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to write this down. Secrets are seeds that will eventually come to the surface. Secrets are seeds that grow that blossom, that expand in your your life, secrets that get planted inside the soil of the human heart eventually will come to the surface. And what's amazing is the gospel of Jesus and the fact that he's already paid for all of that in our, our life, he's paid for every single secret that you and I could ever have or ever carry. Come on, the fact that he calls you even when we are messed up, even in the middle of our, our sin, he calls you blameless and perfect. And, and his creation, his son and his daughter, he's begging us in those moments to take off the fig leaf and to say, you don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to hide because although a bunch of humans you know won't accept you perhaps or make you you know feel judgment in your life or give you consequences God is saying you can't really be free as long as you hold on to your secrets in fact let me tell you this church either you can be free or you can have secrets but you can't have both are you with me that's the choice either find freedom and be fully free and live the life that God intended for you to live or keep secrets. You can't have, have both of them. Here's the way out of shame. Write this down. You got to share your way out. It's the way out. You share your way out of shame. In fact, shame cannot survive when it's shared. Shame only grows and continues to grow in secrecy. And one of the most courageous things you and I will ever do in our life is to to leave no stone unturned in our life, in my heart and in my life. And we need to share our way out of shame. And yes, God already knows, but can I tell you something? It's not enough that God knows. Others need to know. That's why the Bible says that we go to God for for forgiveness and salvation. And and when we confess our sins, I mean, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But in James 5.16, he tells us that we go to each other so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be free and healed, so that we can pray for each other and experience healing in our life. It would be nice if God just said, hey, I know everything about you. You know everything about you. Like, you don't have to ever say anything to anyone else. That's not what he said. He said, that's not how I established it, even in the garden. Like the two became one flesh, why? Because you're better together, because you need each other. We need each other to be healed and whole and and, and honest. In fact, an authentic community is an honest community. We can't do this if you're hiding. You'll never find the freedom that God wants you to have. And you don't have to share your stuff with the world, by the way, but you gotta share it with someone. And the only way out of shame is to share it, is to expose your life and just say, all right, this is me. This is who I am. There was a, a movie that is a few years ago that my wife wanted us to go see. In fact, I think she'd already seen it. And I don't mean go see it because I don't remember the last time we went to a theater. It's been a while. Um, but she had seen it with, with the boys and uh, she's like, hey, you got to see this movie. And I was a little reluctant to go and watch it because it's a movie musical. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen those? It's, it's, it's not just a movie, but they're singing in it. And that always annoyed me because when there's a really good like plot line unfolding and all of a sudden somebody busts out in a song like, oh, it's like, stop. What's wrong with you? You know, either be a movie or be a musical, right? Just kind of choose sides, especially when the guy singing is the guy that you see as the Wolverine. He's all jacked up, you know, ready? And then in this other movie, you know, he's like... Um, Whoa. You're like, all right, stop that stuff. (laughs) Anyway, it's called the greatest showman. I'm I'm assuming you've all seen it. If, if you haven't, don't be mad at me, be mad at you because it happened like a hundred years ago. All right. But in this movie, um, which is a beautiful story about this group of people that were considered outcasts that were considered freaks, you know, that, that really were kind of hiding. They are the poster children for shame and for hiding and for keeping secrets. And there's this story about how P.T. Barnum, you know, established the circus and found these guys and and what, you know, they they were once hiding from, they found in each other this community. And it's beautiful. It's amazing when they start being open about where they are. It's it's a great movie, you should watch it, but that's not even what I wanna talk about. Before the movie even happened, um, there's, they were trying to raise money in order to have the movie funded. And so they were sitting in this choir room and I found this video on YouTube. They're sitting in this choir room, they're going through the script, they're going through the lines and there's some suits in the back, some execs that are there with the cash. They're there to fund the thing, you know, if they like the project, it's called, you know, being greenlit. they're trying to get the movie greenlit, and so it can go to production. And so they're, they're all standing around and it's kind of professional in nature. And then this woman who in the movie, she's the bearded lady, Right. You know, spoiler alert there, I guess, you know, there's in the circus, there's a lady with a beard. All right. No shocker. But she stands up. She doesn't have a beard on in this. Um, And she stands up and she's singing her song. This is me. And to start with, she's behind this, this music stand and she's just kind of singing it. And she's just kind of all nervous. And the suits are in the room and being all professional as they can. And in a moment, she puts the stand aside and she walks out in front of it. And everybody's looking at her like, what are you doing? In fact, the piano player, you, you'll see him in the, the video. It's funny. He just kind of takes a double take, you know, looking at her. He's like, what are you doing? You know, we're trying to raise money for this thing to happen, to, to make sure it goes. And she puts it aside and she, something just shifts inside of her. And she's like, this is my story. Yeah, I've been, I've been broken, but I'm still brave. I have things in my life, you know, but this, this is me. This is where I'm headed. This this, this beautiful moment that happens that I believe connects with all of us in our stories and where we are. And so, you know, by the end of it, everybody's going crazy and loving it. Even the piano player, he's going like full Coldplay mode, you know, he's just kind of getting into it, just rocking out. But it's the song, This Is Me, and I want you to take a look at this. They said on the the YouTube clip I was watching that that's the moment that they knew the movie was fully funded. Why is that? Because that right there resonates with our story. That we're bruised, but we're still brave. We're broken. This is where I've been, but this, this is me, and I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of running from it. I need you to know, Elevate Church, life is a mixed bag, it's equal parts amazing days. When things are working as they should, as God intended, when he says, that's really good, it's rhythmic, it's beautiful, but it's also equal parts dark and destructive. And it seems like just one splinter of shame can get lodged in the human soul and cause us to hide and run and never find the freedom that God wants us to have and to live in. And if we don't understand the purpose of life from the beginning of it, that this was God's plan to make you whole, to make you heal, that Christ came to set you free. It is for freedom that he came to set you free. And to go through life and not experience that. And the reason why we don't is because shame. It's because guilt is because of the mistakes that we've made. The entry point to freedom in your life is getting to the place where you can bear your soul and say, this is me. I read on the board in the back there, on your way out, the things that people had written. Things like... Uh, I want to say goodbye to addiction. Say goodbye to pornography. Goodbye to lust. Goodbye to masturbation. What we do here is not a joke. It's not a game. It's not a game. Some, somebody wrote, they wanted to be free from eating disorders. Do you know how many people wrote it? You don't, I don't really either. But dozens of people wrote, I need to be free from anxiety and fear and depression. People wrote guilt. People wrote shame. What we do here is not a joke. And God came through his son Jesus to set you free. So this is what I want us to do. Would you stand to your feet and just bow your heads, close your eyes around this room. I want to pray for you. And that this would be the start of healing and wholeness. God, as we seek you and we seek your face and we better understand the the redemptive role that you established in our life from the very beginning to where none of us have to run and hide. Secrets are a sickness that keep us from the freedom that you have for our life. And God, we desperately don't wanna live in a place of shame. We don't wanna live in a place of guilt. So would you, in Jesus' name, by the power of your spirit, free us, God, today. God, would you allow us to have those areas in our life exposed? God, would you send people into our lives that, that can come alongside us and say, hey, here's what I struggle with. And since you don't struggle with this, can you help me? And and since I don't struggle with what you struggle with, I can can be a source of good and of help for you. But God, we need courage to do that and bravery to do that. We need to stop being afraid and hiding because you don't want us to live there in slavery to fear and bondage. And so God, right now, free us. In Jesus' name, we pray for, for addictions. In this room, change to, to fall, God, for habits that need to be broken, patterns of our life, God, that, that need to be eliminated. God, that you would free us in Jesus' name from lust, from pornography, from masturbation, whoever wrote that. I'm just believing that this is your time, that this is, this is the, the, the time that you are free from that in Jesus' name, from anxiety and fear and doubt. God, we are living in a world of fear we need so much freedom, God, from that. Give us breakthrough today, Jesus. God, we are desperate to get out of the places that we're in, that we're hiding from you. And we know that you can do that in Jesus' name. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations, welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.